Hey, welcome to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. I'm Brendan Sinone. Joining me over uh, Skype or Google Hangouts or whatever it is that we're using is Chris Snee and Josh Newberg. Say hi, guys. Hi. Hey, guys. Very good, very good. Everyone's in a, in a chipper mood, which is different. There's usually some sort of drama. Today, it's just that Chris, before before we could get uh, the audio going, was he sounded like a robot that was drowning underwater, which... It's kind of a metaphor for, I feel like, Chris Nee's life. It's just always uh, some soul is, is slowly leaving his body, and I think we've finally gotten him to the point of, of not being quite human. Uh, f- fair, fair to stay, guys? Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, I feel like Chris is always just barely keeping his head above water, so this time he, he sounded like he was in it a little He's bit. He's legitimately but... in water. Chris, is that fair? Thanks, guys. You're really talking me up. You're making me feel a lot better about myself. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Chris. Before we get into the nitty-gritty with all the recruiting stuff, and there's been a lot of news in the last couple of days and, and other stuff coming up, um, what the hell, Josh? Public pub subs and fake news? What what are you doing this, this spring with your life? I don't get it. Man, I had to speak out about something that I'm passionate about, and if people can't handle it, then they can't handle it. I actually, I actually think a lot of people agree with me, but it's not popular to agree with me on my take on pub subs. And really, to be honest, I enjoy pub subs. It's just the chicken tender sub is probably the worst one on the menu. If, if it's just, not popular to agree with you and a lot of people agree with you, that's con- conflicting ideologies right I there. Can't get, I can't get down with wrapping my chicken tenders in bread and then eating it. Like I just want my chicken tenders. Like whoever and said no to more carbs. People are like, oh, we'll put buffalo chicken so- buffalo sauce on it with ranch. And it's like, but then you get a soggy ass sub. Like who, who eats a soggy sub? Fat people like me. I would have if I put buffalo and ranch on myself. I'd probably eat that thing in line and just take the little sticker to the register and say sorry because I'd be afraid of what are you going to do? Okay, so you're going to put buffalo sauce on it. You're going to put ranch on it. You're going to wrap it up in paper. You're going to put it in another paper bag. You're going to check out. You're going to go home and then you're going to sit down and eat this sub. Like, come on. What kind of conditions? That you don't put like you don't put oil and vinegar like on your like say you get the, like the Italian sub you don't put. Man, I get really nervous about that. Like, oh I'll even put the pickles on the side if I know I'm not going to eat the sub right away because I don't want that that sub to get soggy. The the contrast here is that that Mr. Picky over here, and then the other side of my computer is the least discerning man in the world when it comes to to, to food. <laughs> Chris, yeah, do you agree I'm or disagree with me. I wholeheartedly disagree with you. We've broken bread together. You know how I eat. Finger licking good is the way to live your life. Yeah, but don't you... Okay, and then the other thing is, by the time I get to the second half of my sub, I'm eating the chicken tenders out of the out of the sub anyway. Like, I'm not even... I'm done with it. You're not enjoying, like, the, the melty cheese that's with it? Or, like, I get banana peppers, and then, too? And then how do like, you treat a chicken tender sub? Do you dress you just, it like a regular you, sandwich? You, you just you, eat it. What do you the hell? eat it with just the chicken tenders and some cheese? Like, I don't... Do you put tomatoes on it? Do you put the lettuce? I don't even... Well, I'm a, one, one more I'm thing, and then spinach, cheese, pepper, sauce, chicken kind of guy. Keep it relatively simple and not too bulky. Yeah, but why can't you just like? I think the ultimate sub's perfect, and then I think chicken tenders are perfect. So why do you need to put chicken tenders on a sub? Well, because why not? Why not? Because you can't. This is America, damn it! If you can't put breaded, fried stuff on bread, like what are we doing here? <laughs> here's the the only thing that like i can see someone not digging the like the chicken tender sub like it's heavy if you want just like normal cold cuts whatever but 
it was the hyperbole of your statement saying it's the worst sub on the menu. Like, have you tried the moho pork? Like, I I don't believe you've tried every sub on the public's menu to say that the that the chicken tender sub was by far the worst. That, that's but where I, I have the problem. Also said in my tweet to not at me. <laughs> this is just my opinion. And what did people do? Everybody added me. I feel like get it. I feel like if you say don't at me, that's an invitation to at you like even more vehemently. Like I, uh, I don't know. Anyways, guys, we're supposed to talk recruiting today, so like, uh, I'm good. all right. Well, well, then in that case, Florida State definitely didn't get a four star commitment uh, yesterday from uh, from one Ronald Tompkins, a uh, you know, blue chip caliber recruit from uh, from Loganville Grayson High School, uh, which has been pretty kind to Florida State uh, in this recruiting cycle. Uh, Tompkins is a uh, two uh, 2019 recruit, so he's a, a rising junior. Guys, what what kind of yeah, he's listed as an athlete. Looks like he pretty much played running back. I guess initial thoughts to that commitment and, and what Tompkins kind of projects to be at Florida State if he does indeed stick with Florida State because, you know, it's 2019. I expect him to use him, use, them, use him as a running back. I think he's a guy that they kind of value because he has an ability to come out of the backfield, catch it in the flat, do a few things, open space, but he's also a relatively well-built, powerful runner. They believe he'll be around 210 or so pounds when he arrives on campus which will give him a chance to survive pretty well between the tackles. So I think he's a versatile back, and obviously Grayson's a school FSU's trying to do big things at. Yeah, Chris basically just read my VIP scoop post on this commitment and what I wrote yesterday. No, but seriously, I, I, I agree with Chris. I think right now he projects as a uh, running back. The great thing about an athlete like that is if something does change, um, I know Florida State you know, is open to maybe safety, uh, wide receiver, you know, th- they project him right now as being a big 205, 210 back that can catch the ball out of the backfield, that can run, that can do some things. So I think he's going to come in and serve that purpose. We all know that Florida State loves the big backs, and uh, that's what they went on. That's what they went after with Tom Thompson. Um, and I also like how uh, Brendan decided to start with the commitment rather than the decommitment. Are we just going to keep this to a uh, Homer show only? We're not going to talk about the decommitment. Go ahead, go ahead, talk about whatever you want to talk about. I'm trying to try no, to be positive no, here no, after the whole pub something. I'm just here just to answer questions, fair and balanced. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> one thing on Topkins was I way off after I watched his film and went through it and said he was a big back and got some pushback. Like was I way off and it's like everyone's freaking out that he's 190 pounds now. He's like 16 years old. It's going to add a little bit of weight. <laughs> It depends on how you define big back. I mean, 210 is a relatively large human being. I wouldn't necessarily call him a bulldozer. He's not going to be where he looks like a ball of muscle like Charles Strong. I mean, Charles Strong is the definition of big back. He's a ball of muscle, a kid that's told not to lift weight because he lifts weights too much. So I think there is a tinge of difference between the two. But can he run like a big back? Can he be a physical back? Are we kind of using those as synonyms? And sure. Yeah, I think, like Chris said, he has big back characteristics. He's not a big back currently. No, and he's, he's a guy, like, you look at him physically, like, he obviously still has room to kind of to bulk up. And I think the thing that's intriguing to, to Florida State uh, about Tompkins is that he is, like you guys kind of said, he, he's kind of a, a blank canvas to, to an extent because you could see him. He's big enough to be a safety if they decide to put him there. He's a slot wide receiver, possibly. Um, you see the way he catches the ball downfield, so... There's certainly uh, you know some some malleability to him as a recruit and to kind of see where he where he goes from here. W- what's up with all the Grayson kids in that pipeline to to Florida State? Can we kind of put it in perspective like what's happening and and just kind of what that 
what that means. There's a lot of talent there currently, and um, I guess what are, your, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, a lot of them grew up together. Ronald, when I talked to him yesterday after he made a commitment, he was he spoke to me briefly before a weight training session, and uh, he mentioned that him, Owen, uh, trying to think who else there. Not not true. True's kind of the outsider of that bunch in the sense of not growing up with them. But a lot of them have been together since they were about seven years old. So once you kind of get the ball rolling, have some success with kids, get them to visit together, it's kind of easy to pull off the package as they're kind of doing right now. Now, the interesting thing here is if they do land a guy like Owen Popo and then a guy like Jay Sean Sheffield who doesn't go to Grayson, that's more a matter of kind of peer pressure working in your favor where guys are buying in together and wanting to play ball together. You know, and the True 19 movement's also involved there. That doesn't solely involve Grayson kids. It's so, sort of run out of Grayson with a lot of their players being a part of it and you know some of the coaching staff being from Grayson. So that's another thing where it's kind of the whole peer pressure builds up and you're able to cash in. And they're talented kids. I mean, I, I think me and Josh both said it yesterday. The kids they've taken, while they're all teammates, they can all be taken individually. They're all valuable, capable players who range from being very good contributors to a potential superstar like Wanya Morris. Do you guys see the video of the True um, Thompson, the 2019 kid, just flinging, his, uh, flinging the offensive lineman to the – to the turf since spring, it was impressive. They have they have a lot of talented guys coming out of that area and and on that um you should you should read it, Josh. I did a bolt on it and it makes me feel like you're not reading what I uh, what I'm doing, producing a lot of yeah. content and feel like it's being overlooked. Right. Uh, all right. Anyways, not to be a homer. That's correct. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Uh, well, Chris, I think did a good job of explaining um, how those individuals those themselves came together. But I think there's another thing that, you know, me and Chris have talked about in why these guys aren't interested in FSU among all the programs. And that's because we're living in the Jameis Winston era. This is the, uh, the lag in recruiting that I always talk about. And if you look at Jay Sean and Jalen McCullough and Owen Popo and Kenyatta Watson and Wanye Morris and all these kids that are, that are into FSU right now, if you look at where they were when they were, 12 13 years old where you kind of get impression where you get in you, you become a fan basically mm-hmm. Jameis winston was winning football games we saw the same thing with tim tebow three four years after tim tebow left you saw kind of a resurgence with uf recruiting where they had a lot of momentum seemingly out of nowhere so this isn't really out of nowhere people just kind of forget that oh yeah three four years ago it was Jameis winston at the helm and he was winning football games for florida state and when you're a when you're a 12 13 year old kid you kind of gravitate toward that. I remember Jimbo Jimbo Fisher said that before too. Right after they won the national championship, people were asking him, you know, how is this going to help recruiting? He said it's certainly not going to hurt, but you know, the the, the groundwork has been laid already for you, know, like the 2014 class. It's going to be in the classes, the subsequent years where you start getting that extra cachet that that yeah. builds up. So I think maybe and, that's what we're seeing here. And people also kind of look at it like, oh, well, this is different because this is happening in Georgia. This isn't necessarily Florida. Like a lot of times you see maybe a group of Florida kids go to Florida State or Florida or Miami. Well, you gotta remember where Tallahassee is technically South Georgia. Yeah, we're 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 not we're not Florida demographic or yeah, so it's not that the kids at Grayson High School are probably what, two and a half to three hours closer to Florida State's campus than the kids at Miami Central mm-hmm. and Miami Northwestern mm-hmm. at at you know, some of the South Florida schools. Those schools 
while they're in, in the state, are considerably further away from Tallahassee than Grayson High School is. So I don't think it's all that surprising. I think what we're seeing is um, natural, but I think it stands out to FSU fans because Florida State's kind of hasn't recruited as well in Georgia over the last two to three classes. Yeah, it's not like it just all happened with a snap of the fingers either. You know, they had these kids on campus 15 months ago for a junior day. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I found a picture of Wanye from literally February of 2016. And then, you know, I was doing something for the young man, updating his profile, and he actually sent me a photo of him in the locker room from that visit. So, you know, those are guys that 15 months of work has been put in. For some of them, it's even beyond 15 months. So it's not like FSU all of a sudden has struck gold and somehow they're pulling this off. This has been a long-term plan with effective recruiting of getting kids on campus repeatedly, building relationships, and kind of getting the ball rolling. Yeah. Wasn't Owen offered as an eighth grader? I don't remember exactly when FSU offered Owen, but I know they were involved with him as an eighth grader going into his ninth grade year. I know they had him on campus over a year, uh, over a year ago. He's been on campus multiple times. So, yeah, there's been a lot of work put in there. Bill Miller's done a real good job. Jake Graham, who's been by the school a lot, has done a good job. And truthfully, every time those kids step on campus, the whole staff does a very good job, and it's led by Jimbo. When did they offer True Thompson? Wasn't that – that was a couple years ago, too, that, that they offered him. Yeah, that was a yeah, true grader. summer. Of yeah, he was a grader at camp, put it on. Odell loved him, didn't hesitate, offered him. Truthfully, the kid looked like he was ready to commit then and there. He just – he played it with some patience and took his time before he went public. It's a, a good situation for Florida State to be in really laying the, the groundwork for that 2019 class. Um, seven commitments now, I believe. And uh, as of yesterday, at least, I haven't checked this morning as since we've done the battle. I don't think there's been any you know, big commitments. I think uh, that that leads the country you know, in, in 2019 commits. And so obviously you know, there's a lot that can happen between between, tw- between now and signing day 2019. But, but at the least, Florida State's kind of kind of you know giving itself a lot of wiggle room and, and some options as it as it recruits you know two classes ahead now at this point I mean to have seven I think the next closest school is five uh, so it just shows the the work that the staff is is doing um all right let's transition uh, I guess I don't want to be a homer podcast I honestly really completely forgot that Oladeli uh the defensive end from from South Florida decommitted is that wrong <laughs> that I wasn't I guess I didn't think it was a huge deal I liked his potential and his upside but but after they got the uh, Patrick Joyner kid, I kind of started thinking there wasn't as much of a, a need for Oladelli. So I don't know. I, I I apologize for forgetting. Am I wrong for for not thinking that's a big deal? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Josh was going to come with some zing on you, so I let him be. I mean, I think that hurt more. It just his very abrupt response to my long-winded question uh, hurt a little bit I, more I than, was, than that. I think he has a lot of potential, like you said. I think um, here here's how – you can tell if it hurts or not. Is Florida State still going to cons- uh, is still is Florida State still going to pursue him moving forward? And the answer to that is yes. Uh, I think that they're going to they're going to field out. They're going to continue to recruit him if he wants back in. I think Florida State would have a spot for him. I can't say the same for guys like Isaiah Bolden, who we talked about on the last podcast, who decommitted, went to Oregon. So I think this is a little bit different scenario where. Florida State would have liked to keep him in the fold. Now, when you look at a class, or I should say when I look at a class, I, I tend to look at who are the pillars of the class. Like, who is this class built upon? Was Coyote par- a pillar of the class? No. Is he replaceable? Yes. However, would FSU have liked to sign him? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I think they still would if it's possible. Um, that being said, 
when I took the commitment off of his bio, I immediately put in a crystal ball pick for Miami. Mm-hmm. I think Miami's a likely destination. I'm not saying he's a lock for there. I think it's probably, knowing the people he has around him, it's probably Miami or LSU. I think it's probably going to end up being one of those two teams, and I do think Florida State will still be in the mix. Yeah, I tend to agree with Josh on that. I think George is a nice school that you can throw in there. He's been yeah. up there a couple times. He liked it. Um, but at this point with recruiting, I just decommitments are so common that it does. it's not something to lose sleep over or think twice about. When you're seven months out from early enrollees, nine months out from signing day, you just go and get another one. Yeah, but if it's a James Cook, if it's like a, uh, you know, I don't really know. Okay, if you look at this class, who would you say a pillar of this class is? I, I really only say James Cook right now. As far as the commitments, yeah, yeah I'd agree with him being the primary one. I mean, there's other guys that are important, but now, he'd be a guy that would be a major blow. Right. Now, we look at last year's Lynn. class, and you have several pillars to the class. I mean, Cam Akers, Joshua Kando, uh, there is a There's a bunch of guys that if you take them out, the class takes on a different look. Yeah, Stanford's, Stanford's, Stanford's one, another one, correct. Um, you take Coyote out of the class, and it doesn't really change the face of the class. I mean, we know FSU is going to have to recruit another DN and replace him, but it's doable. And they already have two DNs in the fold, and Joiner, who I think, if I recall, I, make, I, I like him, I think, maybe the most of any of the defensive ends. I know Chris was high on him. I don't want to put words in Chris's mouth. You like Joiner, Patrick Joiner from South Florida a lot, right, Chris? Yeah, I think Joiner is one who's the furthest along, who understands what he's doing, whose mm-hmm. body's in the best position to contribute early in his career. I think out of the three that they had committed, I felt like they were kind of ranked backwards. Kirby's the highest ranked one to the composite mm-hmm. but in reality i think kirby's the third best when they had the three of them committed. So, i thought coyote fell in the middle but had an extremely high ceiling yeah a lot of upside there and i think that's kind of you know so you already have you had three guys at the position you now have two and i think at least from the florida state perspective the confidence that brad lawing can identify uh, guys that fit into what he wants to do as pass rushers as edge guys and and you know whether he's finding someone under the radar or he's taking a blue chip guy and molding him, I think there's so much confidence that that the position will be productive under what we've seen from Brad Law in the past couple of years. That, at least in my mind, I, I don't want to say defensive ends are kind of interchangeable, but um, I, I think that there's a lot of faith, at least in my mind, that that whoever they get at the position, uh, that the staff knows what it's doing when it comes to finding pass rushers. We've seen that at least um, as the staff is currently comprised right now. That that's that's a strength for them. Yeah, to me, DNs is kind of a tier system. You have the upper tier that are kind of can't miss, you know, special body type, special skill set, you know, immediate contributors. Josh Kando last year, Luigi Villain, who went to Michigan's and a guy. There, there were certain guys you could put in that parameter. Then there's a lot of guys who are plus body types with high ceilings or developmental, who you believe can be real good. I think Janarius Robinson's a guy on FSU's roster who would fall into that kind of tier. And I think Coyote's sort of a similar guy in that sense. But, I mean, on Monday, he went and saw Juco DN, offered him. They moved on. They're going to pursue what they need to pursue. I think when the dust settles in February, they'll be fine at that position. No, I, uh, I tend to agree. I don't think, again, it's it slipped my mind completely that that, that happened because I just didn't think it was detrimental to the class, like Josh said, not, not a pillar type of type of player. All right, where do you guys want to go from here? We got questions that we can take. Are there topics, hot button things you want to talk about, upcoming news to, to look out for? Where do you guys want to go from here? It's your show. I'm just uh, helping run it. Well, the thing I found interesting last night was when FSU's name popped up with a transfer receiver. 
Um, you know, I, he's got 10 schools, so I'm not going to sit here and act like I think he's going to end up at FSU, but I think it's still interesting to see it mentioned. Um, I think it would be sensible for FSU to take a transfer uh, just from the fact of you never know what happens with injuries, and when you have limited body amount on your team, you start running into issues around game six or seven if you've got a couple injuries. So I thought it was interesting. I'm interested to see if we see any other names pop up over the summer months as far as kids transferring and interest in FSU. Plus that factors into the whole numbers game of, you know, having to shed a few more scholarships in order to fit in everybody who's already signed and then potentially an additional transfer. That's Jonathan Giles from, uh, who was a Texas Tech, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's super productive sophomore last year. I think he started seven of 13 games. He played in all 13. Sounds like he kind of, you know, the waters got a little murky at the end of the year. They weren't real happy with one another between him and the coaching staff, and I think that's sort of why he's seeking a transfer and trying to find a different place. And that position we talked about on the on the podcast with with Bob last week was, you know, wide receivers a little a little thin for Florida State. They've had some bad luck with guys transferring and and some injuries, kind of really hindering the development of of some other players. And and so getting a uh, a player who could immediately contribute would certainly be beneficial because the numbers are, are fairly thin right now, and and you know Florida State's trying to kind of load up back at that position after a couple, couple fizzled fizzled out projects and and things like that. So yeah, that would be a, a big development. Uh, is he is Giles able to play right away? If he does, do you know much about his his background right now? I know this just came up last night, so you're still doing intel and stuff. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to speak to him, trying to track him down. I looked up some stuff on him. As far as I can tell, barring a hardship, he would have to sit a year and he would have two years to play after that point. Okay. Newberg, what do you got for us? What are your uh, what are things that are on your mind that you wanna wanna get out other than hating chicken tender subs? No, well I did I did have a good suggestion. Somebody on Twitter had told me that I should try it in a wrap. And I think that's probably the way to go. I think that solves my issues. The the chicken tenders. Oh, recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I did some digging on this guy this morning. So I don't right now, I think it's more of uh, him putting FSU in his top 10 than FSU pursuing him. From what I understand, this kind of perks some ears up though. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some communication within the next couple of days like Chris said, it comes down to numbers. I think it makes sense. You know, if you're going to take a transfer with the injuries and kind of the depth right now at wide receiver, he does make sense. Um, But from everything I've gathered, I can't really say that this is something that's imminent or Florida state should be considered a favorite. I'm going to continue to dig and hopefully get something up on the site insider wise uh, today or tomorrow. Just keep digging. All right. Any, uh, any visits upcoming? Um, yeah. com- commitment watch. Yeah, well, let's a big one this weekend. All right, well, let's yeah, uh, Mr. let's get Mr. it out. Taraja Mitchell is going to spend about seventy-two hours in Tallahassee, and that's their oh. last chance to make an impression. Yeah, and the, the the full court press is coming. Um, so, what what are kind of the during during a visit like this? It's not an official visit, obviously. So, what what kind of goes on? Uh, where are things that Florida State's looking to accomplish? You mentioned Chris, kind of uh, a chance to make a last impression with with his decisions kind of coming imminently um what 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 are they trying to achieve this weekend making a strong last impression countering what ohio state did on his visit in april which is a very good academic presentation 
kind of showing him life after football. That's something he's been talking about. It's a talking point. It's kind of a familiar one with any kid you deal with, with Urban Meyer. You know, it's kind of a selling point he's used at different stops. Um, and I think the main thing is just reminding him why he's liked FSU so much throughout, why it felt like home. You know, hook him up with Levante. Taylor. Wait, sorry to interrupt. Urban, Urban Meyer has used life after football as a selling point? Yeah, yeah, okay. with a time or two. He's also had dreams and visions and other things. Man, y'all are just haters. Just, just haters. I mean, I don't know if you've been following the news, but some people's life after football or life in prison haven't gone too well. So, um, well, you go there, Sano, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tread lightly. Okay. I, um, so I, I, I spoke to a couple sources yesterday about Taraja, and um, I'm told that Florida State is is gonna treat it like an official visit. They're going to do everything that they would do on an official visit within the rules of an unofficial visit. So there's certain things that they can't do, like provide transportation, provide meals. But for the most part, as far as putting him with a – because he's going to be there for two days, two and a half days. So they're going to put him with – I've been told maybe a Jacob Pugh. Um, He was one name that was brought up. I can't remember who the other one was right now. But it hadn't been decided yet on who's going to actually – quote-unquote host him this weekend but they're going to treat it like an official visit and Chris is right one of the things that they're going to really focus on is is life after football I mean Taraj has been to the spring game he's been to FSU a couple times how many times do you need to see the weight room how many times do you need to see the dorms this is going to go beyond that uh this is going to be his fourth visit fourth visit fourth visit Chris fourth well well, he did the spring game in Orlando so I I think technically in Tallahassee it's his third it's third fourth visit to see FSU so this isn't going to be your academic tours and all that this is going to be a little bit deeper it's going to be about spending time with the coaches the players and the uh, training staff how I've always been intrigued by this how how does a school determine like who hosts a certain kid what like especially for for Florida they try to pick guys matches you know you try to find a common denominator Mm -hmm. most likely if not um Florida State's always had a couple guys that they, they're quote-unquote go-to guys for hosting. Um, Calvin Bruton's been really good. Chris, who are yeah. some of the guys in the past that we've known? Um, Nate Andrews. Who, who are some of the guys that were just always hosting? Uh, guys are always around Darwin now. You know, he doesn't necessarily host them, but he's usually part of the visit. He's hanging out with them. I mean, Myron, when he was here, was a go-to guy, especially yeah. if he was more academic-minded. Myron's obviously great in that department. Um, it's always the veterans, like the the kind of the sh- the quiet veterans. Seem well, had the host. Car- the Williams brothers were both good. Vince was super serious, but he was very good in the sense of he was serious. He kind of mm-hmm. he gave you the straight and skinny of this is what FSU is about. And then Carlos was a little bit more of the fun times. Oh yeah, how, how are we forgetting yeah, he, the biggest host of them all, Jameis? Yeah, yeah, Jameis did he good. Did I mean. Job. The biggest thing with a host is figuring out, is this kid going to jive with the visitor? Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't want a party animal hanging out with a kid who's very serious-minded and not you know, going to be able to loosen up. You don't want to lose a kid in Frenchtown because he took him to the strip and he wandered off from where he took him. <laughs> if it doesn't work, you gotta you got to keep things in order. you got to make sure that you know player A matches recruit A in an effective manner, whether it's academics, family, position, you know, the way they are about school, the way they are about athletics, you, you kind of figure that out. And that's why 
you get kids in for unofficial so you can kind of have a working opinion of what that kid is and who would match up well with him. But currently on this team, I mean, Derwin's kind of the all-star. He's kind of the kid in the lights. But Calvin Bruton's kind of the secret hero. He's excellent at hosting. Yeah, we've heard a lot about Calvin Bruton and his and even host. Even DeMarcus Christmas does an effective job, and that's kind of funny because, you know, we know DeMarcus Ben. He's a very quiet dude. He kind of keeps to himself. He always joked that he didn't want to deal with recruiting. He just wanted to go fishing. That's sort of him. But for a guy who's a little more low-key, he works great with him. And I'm told DeAndre Francois is becoming a great host. Um, he may not be the personal host for a lot of offensive recruits, but I'm told that almost – Every offensive recruit that the staff brings through campus, whether it's official or unofficial visit, they're they're bringing DeAndre in the room, at least just to meet him and talk to him, if not spend an afternoon with him. And I'm told he's he's getting better and better at that. And it's a natural thing for a quarterback, I think. I think um, most quarterbacks at Florida State have been good recruiters. Yeah, and when, when you're a school selling yourself on family, and FSU is certainly one of those that does that, I think there's legitimacy to that claim. You don't have the kids solely hang out with one person. He's going to be spending time with multiple teammates, maybe going out with a different group, sitting in a position meeting with a different group. So it is kind of a get to know a lot of guys, feel welcomed by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was James Coley back when he worked here. He used to always say that the greatest recruiter for you is not solely the buildings, but the people in the buildings. It's kind of true. It's how you recruit the best. An eclectic group, too, like with all the names you guys are throwing out there, like a types of personality. So you have the introverts like the DeMarcus Christmas and the DeAndre Francois, and you got someone that's a little bit more gregarious and outgoing like a like a Derwin James. So kind of interesting. Now, to, to Sometimes, though, the staff will put the players to work as evaluators. There's been certain kids that have come in on visits that they got big question marks to them, and the staff will take a player on the team and say, listen, you're going to go with this guy all weekend. Let him kind of do whatever he wants. See what kind of trouble he's going to get himself into or not. We need to know what type of person he is. So they'll kind of be they'll they'll act like they're buddy buddy, but they're actually evaluating the recruit. So that happens at times, you know, and and that's uh, sometimes the best way for the staff to gauge a kid because you know you can get a kid that's a shithead sitting in front of you saying yes sir, yes sir, yes sir. And then he's a totally different person when he's hanging out with a couple of the players on the team. So the players serve as evaluators, as hosts, as recruiters, and they have a couple roles at Florida State. So have they, yeah. not not asking for names, but have they actually like scratched guys off the list because oh, yeah. they, they went out searching oh, yeah. to see if a guy was a shithead and turns out he was? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you got to, you know, football teams are comprised of a lot of different characters, a lot of different people, but you have to evaluate how a person fits into that team. And mm-hmm. nobody's going to, it's kind of like Jimbo says, uh, how do you know that guy's good? Well, go ask his teammates. They'll tell you who's good. Mm-hmm. Wait, should that guy be a teammate? Go ask the guys who he would be teammates. What if he should be a teammate? They're going to give it to you straight. Mm-hmm. Now, like a guy like Taraja Mitchell, I mean, Florida State's not doing that with him. I'm talking more like on official visits when, Florida State maybe got in a kid who's from out of state that has had a wild recruitment. I, there's a couple guys that I remember in the past, but it's it's not very rare. For the most part, they are recruiting them to come to campus. But like Chris said, you don't want to waste the scholarship. You don't want to waste all the time, money, and resources that go into recruiting a kid if he's not going to fit in your locker room and then leave in a year like Malik Henry, put you in a bot. Oh, wait. 
<laughs> Sorry, didn't mean but to I, get on. I, I, I even think with a guy like Malik Henry, by the time his official visit rolled around, I guarantee you they kind of knew there were some red flags. You think? But schools by the time his official visit rolled around. Right. Oh yeah, I know. Stupid comment on my part. But I think uh, Kane Dobbs, another guy that comes to mind. I think you reach a certain point where maybe you're in too deep with a kid and you can't get away from it. And you end up doing it because you've invested so much time, money into landing said kid that you won't bite the bullet and just move on. But if you're, you know, say you offer a kid in January because you're trying to replace something you lost in December, you bring them for an official and it just doesn't feel right. Sometimes you just decide to walk away. Even if it's a kid you think you need, you just walk away because it makes too much sense not to walk away. Yeah, that's more the scenario I'm talking about is where you bring them in, you got a short time to get to know the person everybody's on on patrol you know so we'll see though but this visit with mitchell is going to be a good fun visit i don't expect anything like that i think uh i think he's going to have a great time florida state's real is ready to roll out the red carpet and um they hope it's a the opposite of the teron vincent deal where teron vincent visited ohio state last so well they hope it's the same it's the same for them with a different yes. result, obviously. Yeah, we, we didn't. I didn't mean to get us sidetracked with bad visits when talking about uh, Todd, and, Todd Mitchell. Not not a link between uh, between vetting a, a player. I think everyone at Florida State really likes him and feels comfortable, and obviously, you know, will be ecstatic if if they land him. Um, all right, guys, questions now. What else would you want to do? We we didn't really script this. Is kind of just an impromptu uh, podcast, if you guys can't tell. So. Uh, so, yeah, do you have anything else you want to address right now or do you want to jump into the questions, which I haven't really gone over too in depth because the website was down um, this morning? I'm good. Chris can answer all the questions. I'll, I'll catch you all next week. All right, cool. So let's start off. Chris, will all the Grayson kids stick? This isn't even a question. It's just kind of a period at the end. So they have three commits from Grayson. Obviously a lot of time. Uh, how how firm are the commitments? I, was, I mean, given that it's, again, 2019 kids. Chris doesn't want to answer. Uh, he's actually his face is frozen right now. I thought he was just sitting really still. I did too, but he's fidgety. He doesn't really stand still. God damn it! <laughs> All right, well here's the <laughs> who the hell knows. Well, hang on, we got to stop it because we actually got to get him back into the the podcast. Mm-mm. No, we're just gonna go without him. What are you drinking? Yeah, what can, are you drinking can, right I now? I can do this. We don't need him. What do, do you need, Chris? No, no. I mean, I think you're kind of the star of this podcast. What What are you <laughs> sipping on? So. Is that a frappuccino? No, it's not. Happy hour? I got my Diet Coke with me from Publix. I got a pub sub frappuccino. <laughs> Extra bread in that shit. Uh, right. Damn it. No, this is all on Comcast. Stick. This is all Comcast. I think Comcast. there's a good chance they stick. Yeah, we wanna, we're we're going to keep going with the podcast. We're going to say screw it, right, with Chris? I don't know. Whatever you want to do. Bro. I don't have time for this shit. Yeah, so Grayson, what's going on? I think that... Right now they're in a great spot. They just committed. Is now the time to ask if they're going to decommit? You know, <laughs> now is the probably their strongest point in their commitment. They're you know still coming off of the high of of doing it. Um, like we said earlier in the podcast, I think there's a basis on why they did what they did, and I think there's a very good chance that they stick. But this is recruiting, and it's we're talking about a class that's not going to sign for another year and a half. So who knows? I think there's some insecurity with the fan base because it is such a, you know, it's in Georgia and, and that the, you know, like you said earlier, Josh, is that the program hasn't 
had the success that you really wanted in Georgia. Um, so I wonder if that's kind of kind of where that, that insecurity is coming from. Yeah, because to ask if these kids that have all just recently committed in the past month or so <laughs> are going to stick or not um, kind of is indicative of, of not feeling great about, I think, the, the footing that you have in that yeah, state. I don't think there's any reason right now mm-hmm. to say that they wouldn't stick, but – is, is have been covering recruiting for 12 years. Am I going to say that, yes, they're all going to stick? I, I can't make that assumption right now. Well, we want firm yes or no answers. We don't want any nuance. <laughs> we want definitive, put you in a corner. Treat it like you're analyzing a pub sub, yes or no. Hey, we <laughs> have – We get that passionate. We have Chris Nee, I think, back here. Uh, Chris, say something. We, we are going to test to see if the connection is actually – we just kind of kept powering through without you here. Say something. I hate Comcast. Yeah, there you go. Again, Comcast uh, definitely not going to ever be a sponsor of uh, this show. If we ever get sponsors, which would be awesome because, you know, money. Um, well, we just went over the Grayson kids. Will they stick? I'm not going to keep going into that uh, one because there's no way to definitively answer that question. So let's see. I'm going down the list here. I'm scared. Will Josh and Chris hold me? That's not really a question. God, you guys. Hi, Noel's asking who we want to smoke with. I don't think I'm gonna. Well, I'm not touching that one. No, <laughs> no, no one is. No. Um, all right, so, so <laughs> Seminole SMO, a rundown of in-state offensive line talent and where we stand, and your takes on the offensive line. You could see Florida State offering in the near term. So, um, guys, go take it. Uh, Florida State's offensive line board, and I guess specifically with the, the in-state kids. Um, but uh, but feel free I think to deviate. Chris is more built to talk about the offensive line than I am. What's that supposed to mean? I mean, in-state <laughs> William Barnes is the best of the bunch. They're in the mix. Josh tries to update coming if he ever actually you know sits down and writes it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, FSU's in the mix here, but I wouldn't say they're one of favorites. I would say that, you know, Florida, uh, North Carolina, which is tied to the family from an alma mater standpoint, Miami, even to a degree, all in a pretty good spot. That FSU's in the mix. He's not in a rush. I think he intends to decide around National Signing Day. So, work to be done there, but I wouldn't bet on him. Then after him, in state, there's not a ton of great talent. Truthfully, in the Southeast on the offensive line, there's not a ton of great talent. FSU right now has put a lot of effort into a few Georgia boys. Christian Armstrong at tackle, I feel like they lead there. He's a developmental offensive tackle type, but he has a good body. He's got the right mindset. He just needs some time. Trey Hill, great offensive guard, but I feel like Georgia and maybe even Clemson are ahead of FSU there. But they've done a lot of good work there. They do have a footing with him. They're definitely one of the schools, certainly in the mix. Um, and then, you know, they're starting to show interest in some others. They offered Warren Erickson. He's an interior guy from Georgia earlier this week. I think we'll see him look at and possibly offer a few more offensive linemen down the stretch here in the coming weeks. And then we can't forget they have a commitment from Christian Meadows. Meadows is an excellent interior type. He could play either guard spot or center. And yesterday, but I feel pretty confident he's relatively firm at this point. I'm feeling there's a decent chance that Chris's Comcast uh, craps back out, um, which is nice because it's been mine the last two weeks, so that'll be a a nice change. But just looking at it, his his picture, I'm trying to try, try to paint a picture for you guys. So his uh, image, at least, how, do you see it, Josh? It's super blurry, um, pixelated. It, maybe it's my computer. I don't know. Um, we're gonna have to start yeah, doing these in it's person. About the same. It's like he's on an Android or something. Chris Nee is losing his soul periodically throughout the offseason. Mm. All right, another question from Jess163. Thoughts on Josh Moore and Terhada Mitchell? We already kind of went over Mitchell. Um, 
but real quick guys like what are your thoughts what what do you think happens and what do you think ultimately like will will play out for Florida State with with Mitchell uh, it's FSU or Ohio State. If the visit goes really well, I still feel fairly confident it ends up at FSU. They've kind of been the leader for more of the recruitment than anybody else. Ohio State has surged here lately, but I still think FSU stands a great chance. I think there's a very good relationship there with Odell, and I think this weekend might cut back towards FSU. Yeah, I'm standing on my crystal ball picks in Florida State for both Joshua Moore and for Taraja Mitchell at this point. Um, Florida State will have the last visit for each. Josh Moore is going to decide on June 18th, and he's going to take a trip to Florida State on June 5th. I asked him what other visits he'll be making besides FSU, and he had a big smile on his face, and he said none. So I think uh, Florida State will be the only team. See, he, he took a big group of visits in the spring. And I think Florida State will be the only program that's going to get a return visit out of all those schools. So I, I like Florida State's chances there. Yeah, I'd say that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah the funny thing with Josh Moore is people uh, run their hands a lot over the whole fact he didn't come back two weeks later with his mom, like you originally said. People need to remember in recruiting that kids say crazy shit. That happens routinely. If he shows back up at FSU, they are still in a great position to land them. People and, don't and need I, to get hung up on yeah. Two weeks, next week, or in a day. If a kid shows up twice, you know, from the first visit to when he's deciding, if he shows up in between those two, it doesn't matter if it's a week, two weeks after, or the day before he decides, it's a good sign. So, yeah, it, it humors me when I read that. I get it. But holy hell, kids, if you've been following recruiting for a while, you know kids will say things that are just either not true or fall through. And, and, the recruits will tell us things. And remember, when a kid says, yeah, I'm going to come back in two weeks, he has no idea that his mom has to book a plane flight or somebody has to get transportation. This is just him saying he wants to do these things. And right. we can only report what the kids say. So I think when Chris and I report something in quotes from a kid, I mean, we know that it's just an idea. To us, it's more like, okay, the kid's saying he wants to come back. That means there's interest there. Yeah. If he show, Then it's like, okay, well, now he needs to show us that he's going to show back up. Like, me and Chris, we don't, you know, we don't take what they say as gospel. I mean, we understand, like, when a kid says, I'm going to take this visit, we probably check with them five, six times between then and the time that he says because they make plans without telling their parents. They make plans without telling coaches. I mean, they just say stuff. <laughs> yeah, Christian Tut's a good example of this. He said he was going to come back to FSU for a weekend. We haven't seen that happen yet. He's supposed to decide in less than three weeks. I see an update with the Ohio State side, and he says, oh, I want to get back up to Ohio State for a weekend before I decide. Well, here's the thing. There's only like two more weekends before he decides, but yet he's telling multiple schools he wants to spend a weekend there before he decides. So, hey, something's going to have to give. It's like yeah, it's like 16-year-olds are flaky. These kids say as far as unofficial visits go at face value. Official visits are a little bit different because the school can book the flight and everything and they can make those arrangements. So it's just really difficult to, uh, and I guess, it, you know, it kind of falls on Chris and I to explain it to the fans as well. We've been doing this for a dozen years. Not everybody else has. So maybe it's on our end, but that, it's just a, it's a frustrating thing when it comes to off season, official visits, unofficial visits. You guys do a terrible job explaining stuff. Um, so yeah, you do need to do you do need to do a better job. I I agree with with Josh on that one. All right, so another question from Jess one six three, and 
I don't know, what what would a recruiting podcast be without us talking about quarterback <laughs> recruiting? Because I feel like it's uh, it's on the docket every week. So here we go. Uh, again, from Jess163. I know Josh has mentioned before that Jimbo will not pass on an elite talent in 18 to wait for 2019. However, it seems like he's not pushing it hard for a 2018 quarterback question. Is that the case question? Is that a situation where he feels good about Gunnell and doesn't love an 18 option, so he'll pass to get his guy? Thoughts? Thoughts? I don't know. Thoughts? Okay, Grant Gunnell is very good, and he's 2019. But Jimbo Fisher is never going to sit there and, and say, well, Gunnell's in 19, so it doesn't matter what happens in 18. Like, Jimbo just doesn't think like that. Um, yes, it's nice to know that Gunnell's a great quarterback in 2019 and he's sitting out there and Florida State has a very good shot at him. But I don't think there's any strategy here where Florida State's in a position to – Grant Cannell's not even committed. Plus, he's in Texas. I mean, he's a year and a half from signing. Like, there's just no way that that's factoring into 2018 recruiting. 2018 recruiting is going the way it's going because Florida State didn't do it, you know, because they lost Malik Henry. So you're you're behind a little bit. It has nothing to do with Grant Cannell. Uh, I think if people looked forward instead of backward, like looking at uh, what's on the roster. That's why they're recruiting for 2018. And they have needs to fill now. They can't wait for 2019. With with the quarterbacks, we talked about that a little bit, I think, before the podcast. What did the Malik Henry uh, one, and, one and done, not even being at Florida State for, for a full year, exactly what did that do to Florida State's recruiting board? Because I think it's tough to kind of quantify that, but you guys seem to have a pretty good grasp to, to what that kind of the, the, the chain reaction that has set off for 2018 recruiting now. It hurt a lot of depth. Um, it's a number. You know, you always want to have four scholarship quarterbacks on the roster at all times. Had, uh, had Malik still been on the roster, you know, maybe you do pass on a 2018 QB, but – He's been off the roster for a while. I think Jimbo pretty much knew at the beginning of the season that Malik Henry wasn't going to factor in at the quarterback position. But they're just behind. Um, they're just behind in terms of evaluating and, and, and getting on some guys. And uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that they won't be able to recruit in 2018. I think they're still going to get their guy. It's just going to be, you know, Jimbo Fisher going to, when he flips the switch on the guy that he wants, I think that's when we're going to see QB recruiting really crank up. And right now they just haven't like they're evaluating a bunch of guys. They're showing up at their school, but take a Jaron Williams, for example, they're not really actively recruiting Jaron Williams to Florida state. They're not really actively recruiting Emory Jones to Florida state. They're not really actively recruiting Justin Fields to Florida state the way that, um, you know, they were recruiting Malik Henry or James Blackman or some of those guys once they decided to flip the switch and go on them. So I think you're really going to see QB recruiting take take form over the summer. Plus another thing to add on quarterback recruiting, look at the last three quarterbacks they took. Malik Henry threw at camp. They loved him, pushed for a commitment right after camp. Bailey Hawkman got offered at camp two years ago and then visited a couple more times after that, but basically was offered and pursued because of a camp literally jumped on the radar, landed the offer, committed because of camp. Jimbo is a stickler for a kid throwing with him in person where him, Randy, 
and company are able to put the kid through the ringer, get a feel for him, see the different things he can do outside of what he does in the system he's in high school, and then they go on him. I don't think they're eighteen kid. I don't think they're obsessed with necessarily having to get one, but I think they very easily can walk into June or July if the kid shows up at camp and flip that switch, fully pursue a kid push in a few short weeks. And that's not easy to do, but when you're FSU, you've had success at putting quarterbacks into pros. You're a relatively well-built offense with talent around, with good recruiting. A kid's going to take an interest in it. It's going to be tough to beat that relationship he's had for 12, 18, 24 months, but it's not, you know, impossible. We've seen plenty of kids, you know, uh, the kid from Jacksonville last year, his name is escaping me. Signed with with Alabama um, from the bowl school. Matt Jones? Um, Yeah, Matt Jones. Matt Jones was really adamant about certain schools that had been dealing with him for a long time. Then he took a visit to Bama, loved it, committed. Bama's recruitment of him was literally like a couple weeks. You know, it can be done. It's not a matter of you have to have that 18 to 24-month sustained relationship like FSU usually likes to have with a target, especially a quarterback. You can do it in the short term. It's just a matter of executing a plan and getting it done. Yeah. And if there's anybody that can come from behind it, recruiting at this position, it's Florida State and Jimbo Fisher. I mean, I'm not saying that there should be concern. I'm just saying that Florida State is behind when you look at QB recruiting with big-time programs in 2018. Well, and, and to that point, Josh, is like you, you said, they're, they're a little bit behind and they're still in the evaluation part of it. But if Florida State really did like a guy, at quarterback, they'd be putting the full press on, and we haven't really seen that up to this point too. And I think that that's a, a big part of – you know, that, that that's something that we need to consider is that the guys that are available that they have a shot at, like we haven't really seen them really, really kind of roll out the red carpet yet, and there's still time in the evaluation, yeah. like Chris says. I think that's something to consider, too, is people want someone to pull a trigger right away, and it's just not yeah. not time and, yet. And Chris said something about 2018. He wasn't completely sure that they would take a quarterback. I, I disagree. I, I fully expect them to take a quarterback in 2018 based on the things that I know now. Now, if that changes or something, I might back off that stance. But as of now, I fully expect him to take a quarterback. And like we said, we still have camp coming up. Don't, and that's, don't at me, Chris. Don't at me. That means Adam if we've, we've come in full don't circle. Don't at me, bro. <laughs> I think there's still a lot of time left for the quarterback. I understand why people are such an important position. I understand why the fan base is kind of antsy about it. But like Chris said, there is something to be said for what happens over summer camp. Can we just, can we just name this podcast like Chris said? What does he want? What does Chris want it to be called? <laughs> no, can we name the podcast like Chris said? Like Chris said, I say like Josh said too. Okay, Are you feeling? I feel. I feel. I think you're being a little. Uh, I feel like you feel like you're being slighted. I've referenced your points as well. <laughs> so insecure. In ninety day. Ninety day. What else he's doing? At work. By August ten, that's all settled. We're gonna know if they. If they decide on one Chris, your Comcast day. internet yeah, he, sucks so much. Out, but wait, did, what did he just in ninety days on what day that do you think we'll know? August tenth. Yeah, that's my birthday. Well, happy birthday! See, it always I comes back Chris, to Josh. So narcissistic. I think Chris is going to deliver a quarterback commitment on my birthday. <laughs> I think that's what he just said. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like to attribute things to people, and you know, kids, you know how kids like commit and do things um, to honor people, or they commit on their birthday. Like, when's the first kid going to announce that he's committing on August 10 on Josh Newberg's birthday? 
He's going to do it like jump, like par- parachuting out of an airplane or something on top of that too. Just raining <laughs> pub subs all over, some chicken tender pub subs all over your house. <laughs> all right, my ADD is kicking in. We got any more questions? No, I think we're done here. I, I, I think we've we've maximized it. Anyways, guys, thanks for joining the Knowles 24-7 podcast. I'm Brendan Sinone. Like uh, Chris Nee said, we're here with Chris Nee and Josh Newberg. Bye.